1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash
0: new book and get your copy today. I I don't know how we do it, but we somehow found a new thing for us, Joey. A first for the podcast podcast. And another idea for the idea guy.
1: Oh, no doubt. I know you were just salivating this whole podcast. I mean your shirt's all wet. It's crazy. It's almost like you need to be sent to an assisted living home. That's what I what I think.
0: <laughs> what is <laughs> <laughs> I ain't one. I am not wet at all. I don't wear a blue shirt, goober, but this, this thing's dry, bro. This, like, you know, I, I don't have that problem.
1: You're just, you're just elderly. I'm just saying, like, we need to take care of you. And I think today's guest, Chuck Bongiovanni, uh, brought the heat with bringing in this new idea of turning um, a rental property into an assisted
0: living residence. Well, here's the, here's the thing about that, though. We, as you think about that, you go, okay, well, I've wanted to get into the assisted living space, which I have, by the way. I have a friend of mine that started investing in those years ago, and I've been like, dude, would you please let me in on that deal? And he's like, well, it's not my deal. It's this other group. I was like, would you please make the intro to those people? <laughs> you know who you are. Would you freaking do it, man? <laughs> All right. But this is different. This isn't like going and starting like a you know hundred door apartment complex that you turn into an assisted living facility. This is taking a four bedroom home with an attached garage and making it a 10 to 12 bed assisted living residence, which by the way, based upon some of the federal housing laws means that these things are operating in neighborhoods, regardless of HOA, regardless of zoning and regardless of neighbors, Joey. And I'm, I have just got a sneaking suspicion that in this podcast, we start asking questions around a property that you and I bought about, what, six, seven months ago with the idea of making it a corporate retreat. This might be an idea that you and I ask, Chuck, can we do this with our home is this a fit? So whether you're a real estate investor looking to find ways to partner with franchisees, or maybe you're somebody looking to create a franchise, get in a business that's operating, Chuck breaks down both sides of the equation. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into this interview with Chuck bonagio Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast.
1: All right, Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, you're in for a treat today. Our guest is Mr. Chuck Bongiovanni with Majestic Residences. Chuck, so glad to have you here today.
0: I am ecstatic to be here today, guys. Chuck, we've already had an amazing podcast that we just didn't even press play. Or <laughs> didn't press record, I guess, on. <laughs> shut up! I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I have no doubt that we're going to be able to level that up and redo because this is an interesting concept for us for many reasons. Many of our many of our listeners they love the start of our podcast cuz I put somebody on the spot. I take them to a moment in time where they were dealing with a tough issue, but that tough issue is what gave them their start. I was reading about you online and it looks like mm-hmm. you had one of those moments where yeah. you had gone through foreclosure, you were dealing with the bankruptcy and that led to a lot of things but if you would take us to that moment in time what was going on where you were dealing with that and what was going
2: through your mind sure you know i um i was in uh, graduate school just got married just had a baby boy and then things kind of just fell apart and i ended up uh you know uh, getting the house foreclosed on over you know 2008 when the market crashed um i Got divorced, unfortunately, but the great thing about it was um, I got full custody of my son. So he was six months old. So it was me, my son, and that was it. So I had no family out here in Arizona. So it was me, my son, and um, I had to do some quick strategic planning to make things happen. So with all
0: of that, tell me a little bit about what led up to the foreclosure and bankruptcy. what, What got you to that point?
2: Oh, I got one of those great loans. You know, those great loans where you just basically had to sign your name by it and stuff. And, uh, you know, I I remember saying to myself, my house was only like $128,000 when I bought it. And I remember saying to myself, Chuck, if you had $128,000, you probably wouldn't loan it to yourself, you know. So, you know, being in grad school and then losing the other income with my wife, things just, you know, tumbled from there. And then the interest rates went higher and it's just, it was crazy. But
1: that the good news is that that's not where you were left right something right. had to change you you are now newly motivated uh with your son by your side tell us what was the next step from there
2: um the next step from there was like taking work very very seriously you know um i had a son i had to take care of and uh so i started a i started a company um I, it was like a private practice first you know i, I was a social worker in college so you know, I, I started this company where I helped people find uh, assisted living and didn't even think that it could grow, you know, or expand much. And before I knew it, I had people calling me from other states saying, hey, I hear what you're doing You're You're helping people find assisted living. And then when they move in, you're getting paid like a real estate agent. So um, I decided that it was it was uh, probably a good idea to, to start franchising. So I did a lot of study of of what franchising was, what the model was and such. Um, I got remarried and worked the business, worked our model really really well and started franchising. Uh, In a matter of 10, 15 years, uh, we grew to 155 offices, 37 states. Got the call from private equity. We sold in 2018 to a, a large private equity firm. Uh, and then I stayed on for a little bit, and in 2020 is when uh, COVID hit, and I'm always one of those people that, you know, look for crisis because there's always opportunity in crisis and thought, you know, uh, there's a lot of residential care homes in the United States, uh, but they're usually very, you know, mom and pop, and I knew they'd have a hard time during, during COVID. So I started the Majestic Residence franchise. Which is a franchise of residential assisted living homes and it's been doing extremely well we're already already an international company two years later explain for somebody
0: who doesn't necessarily understand what an assisted living resident home even is
2: sure well you know when you drive by some of these big assisted living places um brookdale senior living is the largest in the nation sunrise is another one these huge apartment like places think of that but think of a residential neighborhood with a regular house that's licensed by the state to take care of anywhere from six to 16 residents or seniors in their, in that one home. So they're staffed 24 seven. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a much more home like environment than, than the bigger places that, a you know, big apartments, they have to walk a thousand feet just to get the dining room and such. So it's a much smaller contained home, uh, that takes care of seniors.
0: And is this, you know, you're obviously dealing with many different people. The way that we were introduced came from an idea of, hey, the real estate investors that are or investors in general who are Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities might be able to go find one of these homes and potentially be the, the lease or to one of your franchisees. Talk a little bit about where that idea came from and how that's been able to work
2: yeah you know what it came from mcdonald's you know because we all know the mcdonald's story you know how they lease the property to franchisees and such and uh that's where they make more revenue than they could have um you know we thought if we start talking to some investors some real estate investors who normally buy um you know single family homes anyhow you know rather than leasing them to a family who maybe will you know, leave at three o'clock in the morning with your refrigerator. Uh, maybe they'd like to uh, lease into our franchisees on a long-term lease, um, triple net, get a good, really good return um, and have a franchisor behind it to make sure that that person who is leasing their home as a franchisee is keeping it up to par and having, you know, keeping it up in the top, tip-top shape.
1: So would you say keeping it up to tip top shape, like what are the things that they're doing to that property on a regular basis and what's that accountability look like?
2: Oh, you know, landscaping, you know, fixing any kind of repairs. If, a, you know, if a senior has a wheelchair and bounces in the wall, I mean, they're fixing that immediately because anytime the home has to be in, in, in perfect shape in order for. You know, families that come take a look at it, make a decision whether they want mom or dad to be there. So, us as a franchisor, also we do video tours, you know, with the owners and make sure the home is 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 up to shape. And, all right,
0: so let's talk about. So that's the investor side, right? And mm-hmm. well, first, I guess I, the only thing we didn't talk about there is what sort of opportunity is that for somebody who wanted to buy a property and lease it. You, you mentioned the state in which someone would care for it but from a return perspective, like if I go buy a home and I'm going to turn around and lease it, you know, the, what's the old adage that I want to try to get the 1% rule, right, yeah. in, in, in the typical world. What does that look like for somebody in this sort of space?
2: Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing the triple net with 1% is what we're seeing so far. You know, what we're asking our investors, because there is a little time that our franchisee um, has before they get state licensed. So what we're asking the... Uh, investor is, you know, come up with one rate while they get licensed, another rate from month one to month three when they're, you know, when they're starting their business after their license, and then a month four, start with the premium, you know, one percent uh, lease uh, until, you know, five years. A lot of the franchisees have been asking for a possibility of a purchase option um, at year five or, you know, between year three and five. Uh, we're seeing that too. Awesome.
1: So, so now shift gears for us and talk about what people are doing from the franchisee side uh, when they're, they're finding places to put these homes, but what are they getting? Like, what does that business look like from their perspective?
2: Sure. Well, we'll help them initially, you know, help find a home and get state license. That takes, you know, anywhere between right now with COVID, anywhere between three, three and six months to get licensed. So sometimes the um, franchisee is converting the garage into two or three bedrooms Um, and most of the time they pick one bathroom in the home and they create like one big shower one big shower room so they'll keep the commode they'll take the um the sink and have a pedestal kind of sink and then they will uh turn the rest of that whole room like into one big shower um, so that's kind of what the any kind of um, rehab is. It's not much, um, and then we will once they get licensed, uh, we'll be training them for operations, how to run the home, uh, how to you know how to care for these people. Um, a lot of the franchisees want to be some uh, passive, so they hire a state licensed manager or administrator, depends on the uh, state what they call it, and then that licensed administrator or manager is the one who hires the caregivers because it has to be uh it has to be staffed twenty four seven. They handle all the business and the franchisee oversees that that manager or that administrator. And our our residents, I mean, depending on where they are, they're paying anywhere between $5,500 and 7500 dollars per month uh per resident to uh to be part of that home, to be in there to get the care.
1: Okay, so two two questions. The the uh, administrator that you mentioned that is state licensed are you uh, is majestic residents helping to connect the dots between franchisees and these people, or is it something that they're, the franchisee is on their own to to find somebody like that?
2: Well, when you're with your when you're with a franchise, you're never on your own. So we're coaching along the whole way of, you know, there's schools that teach these kinds of things. So we're we're connecting the franchisees with those kind of organizations, uh, and and you know. Helping them see that if someone's unhappy where they're currently are, maybe they'll be happy where, you know, with you are and just get an idea, there's 30,000 of these homes across America right now. I mean, I can guarantee that unless you live in the middle of nowhere, there's probably one within a mile of you anywhere. Any one of your listeners listening.
1: Wow. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many
0: ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what does it cost you to not know? What does it cost you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have
1: to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our passport challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash Passport, get started today. So, talk about the economics. You just kind of briefly mentioned how much the residents are paying per month mm-hmm. per, per room. So, I'm just in envisioning I've got a three bedroom, two bath house, you know, just a, a ranch or whatever in the neighborhood. So, you're thinking that three bedroom house I can get three residents in, and they're paying, let's say, on the low end, fifty five hundred a piece. So, that's a almost what is that, uh, 16, five in revenue that that person can receive from those residents?
2: Well, I can do you one better. Let's say you have a four bedroom home with an attached garage. Uh, We can convert the garage into two or three bedrooms. Uh, So now let's say you're at seven seven bedrooms. Um, The master bedroom is usually always a semi-private for either husband and wife or, or two women. So now you're at eight. Uh, if you have another room in the home that's a little larger, make that a semi-private. You're you're at nine. I mean, any four-bedroom home um, with a decent-sized uh, living room or TV room or activity room uh, can get up to eight or eight to ten residents pretty easily. Um, and yeah, and they're paying anywhere between fifty-five and seventy-five hundred dollars uh, per month. The biggest expense is your staff. Your staff is usually right now. Uh, about forty to forty-five percent of your revenue. Um, food really isn't that much. Electricity and those kinds of things isn't really too much. Um, you have insurance, of course, insurance in the home, but also professional liability insurance to cover you in case of any uh, any accidents and such.
0: So, what is the margin that you kind of talked about? Forty to forty-five percent for for labor. Obviously, you've got typical overhead as well as the rent and lease. What are your franchisees seeing? Once they are established a year in, they got full, hundred uh, percent occupancy. What sort of margin are they getting? Ten percent, twenty percent. And, and here's
2: here's here's the problem. Uh, the FTC has rules of what we can say and what we can't say. Okay. So they can talk to any of our franchisees, and I know they'll be very happy with that uh, with that answer.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, well, I had to ask, I mean, one, here,
2: here here's where I wish I could I'm going. You, I just, I wish you could come right out and just tell you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand and You don't want to provide a, an answer that one is not able to be backed up. Every scenario is different. I mean, imagine Joey running a business without me where, I mean, totally. it, yeah. it, it, it would not have near the, the girth that we've been able to create off of that. We would have yeah, six the, listeners instead of 10. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Okay. So I, uh, Here's where I'm going with this. And I think the stallion knows where I'm going with this is i know what you're stepping in. <laughs> I am. I'm very curious of this model. And, and we, we alluded to this prior to us pressing record is that Joey and I bought a house. Our audience is well familiar. We bought a house with the intention of turning it into a corporate retreat short-term rental. It's actually in the neighborhood in which I live in Chuck. Oh, it's a really? very quiet neighborhood. There's only 13 homeowners in the neighborhood this house sits on eight acres. sits on. It um, has access to about a twenty acre little pond, lake, whatever you'll say. Wait, and wait, I saw,
2: saw a movie. Was it called The Money Pit? Was that something like <laughs> <thought?
0: laughs> And and Joey and I are, are are looking right now to figure out how do we take this property and use it. But I mean, I in my mind, I'm, I'm hearing your idea, and I'm going, man, I would love to rent it because my neighborhood says I can rent it. As long as it's for 12 months or longer, but the but the city told Joey and I that you can't run a business Ooh. out of your house, and, really? and it seems like this would be a business. So, what would yeah. prevent cities from you know hammering down on people who try to operate this out of a house?
2: Okay, so I'm going to make your day here. There's a little law, it's a real small one. It's called the Federal Fair Housing Act.
0: And you can't discriminate. That's
2: uh, not little at all. You can't discriminate against a, a protected population, and seniors are one of them. So we have never seen an HOA be able to stop a residential care home from opening. Now, what they can do is mandate you keep the garage door on, you know, for appearances and such, and that's pretty easy. You just put a fake wall up and you know make egresses from the other sides of the of the uh, garage. But no, they can't they can't stop a residential care home from opening. So uh,
0: under that, so usually the fair housing law, you're saying they're not running a business. What they are is they just have eight people staying in it. Does is there any limitations to How many people can be in a house? Can the HOA or the city say, well, this isn't a we said this was a single family home area and you're running basically a multifamily home area and that's commercial and we don't
2: have that. Sure. The city can mandate um, how many beds you can have. The smallest we've ever seen uh, is six beds. So normally, I mean, we're looking from uh, six to 16 beds is uh, a good range between all the states and what they're what they allow. Okay. All right.
1: So what what are we missing, Chuck? I mean, basically, Russ wants to go ahead and pull the trigger and rent this house (laughs) out to one of your franchisees. Like, what are we missing? What's the downside?
2: Wow. We're still growing. So. You know, there's not going to be a guarantee that I'm going to have a franchisee looking specifically in your area, your city. So, I mean, honestly, that's just the only downside I see. I mean, um, uh, you know, right now we wanted to make sure we had a lot of franchisees who getting out of the corporate world. And sometimes when they want to go and get like an SBA loan, the SBA wants to see a little bit more experience. So these guys are working corporate jobs. They're not working assisted living at all. So um, that's why some of them have been looking for these lease opportunities so they can get the experience behind them. And then they can buy house number two, three, four, and five with an SBA loan once they have that experience.
0: Okay. Well, let's just say somebody who's local to us It's Uh, like, man, I'm looking for an opportunity. I've been trying to figure out, is it land flipping? Is it short-term rental? Is it e-commerce? You know, they're trying to figure out what's that pathway outside of what they're doing. And they say, oh, well, does that mean I might be able to be a franchisee and I partner up with Russ and Joey? I'll lease their house and I'll run this franchise. As a franchisee, what mm -hmm. is the... What's the requirement of them like from a uh, what what does their typical day look like? Are they working 40, 60 hour work weeks or what's it look like for a franchisee?
2: Yeah, a typical franchisee is, you know, like I said, they hire a really good manager or administrator. uh, Maybe in the very beginning, uh, maybe 10 to 12 hours a week. Uh, as it's up and running, um, much much less than that. They can, you know, I've I've franchisees who are like doing five hours a week, and that really is just checking in with that manager. Maybe stopping stopping at the house, you know, every other day, just making their presence known uh, to the employees and the administrator. Uh, you know, I have one franchisee who's operating four of them right now, and you know, his day is is just. He's a really good administrator, so his day is just checking in with his administrator. And saying what's going on with the homes. Oh, there's a, a plumbing problem in one. I'll make a phone call. You know, so they're they're really overseeing. We don't want our franchisees in the home doing caregiving. Um, they can't they can't grow their business that way.
0: And, and what is an ideal? I mean, obviously, I'm asking the guys selling franchises. What is the ideal number of franchises that one would want sure. to have in order to make a a decent living? Yeah. And the answer is a million, but. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the next best answer?
2: You know, um, three homes, three to five homes is probably the best for them because what happens with home two and three is you get to spread out that administrator's salary. Uh, so instead of in one home, now you're you're splitting among three. You may pay him or her a little bit more, you know, because they're overseeing three homes. But you know, um, they're not. You don't have it all in one home.
1: And is there a max like per? administrator like you see it's a five the pretty much the sweet spot where then you have to start kind of adding on additional administrators
2: yeah some states some states uh have requirements as far as um some states that we don't care how many homes they manage as long as they're all within x amount of you know radius of each other diameter of each other some do set limits for for number of homes that they can oversee all right okay so uh, let's let's play
0: a game of ask chuck is our house a good house? <laughs> you guys ready for this? All right, so, so Chuck, we have a house that's a six-bedroom. It it's has a main floor with uh, two bedrooms on one end, big master on the other, humongous kitchen, humongous living room, humongous dining room. Uh, we have upstairs with one bedroom, one bath. Downstairs, we have two large uh, rooms down there um, that we we would call bedrooms as we we're selling the house, but the reality is, is one is a big huge bedroom with a suite, and the other is just this massive area, and then in between those another huge massive living space. So it's about six thousand square foot. It, gotcha. um, you know, is up to date. It's a beautiful home. We're listed at one point four nine five right now. Tell us what. It has a pool and it's on a lake. You forgot that part. Yeah, it's super quiet neighborhood. Uh, is our house a good house for this idea?
2: Unless it's located, in, unless that specific house is located in an alligator infested swamp, I'd say 100 percent yes. That's perfect because that six bedroom home what you're describing, you, you know, we're talking easily 12, to 15, uh, 12 to 15 residents uh, in that in that house.
0: Wow! Wow! At Twelve least. to fifteen residents, paying fifty five hundred to seventy five hundred per month, and this franchisee went up and running would pay roughly one percent um, to uh, uh, at rent rate, right? Joey, what's the math on that for me? R- roughly fifteen grand a month.
2: Yeah. Okay. And you know, and, and for let's say 12, 12 people, fifteen people um let's say let's say 15 you know you're looking at three caregivers during the day three in the evening one overnight 24 7 care um 12 beds you could get away with uh you know two caregivers as long as a lot of the residents are uh you know somewhat healthy two two during the day two in the evening and one at night also so you know you like i say your caregiver is about 45 percent of your of your overall uh revenue yeah costs shall we say
0: And and, and here's, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask this question, which is the morbid question of the deal. What is the average stay of a tenant? 18 months. 18 months. And what is the average time to fill the bed once that tenant is no longer there?
2: Um, Our homes
0: right now are under two weeks. Two weeks?
2: Under two weeks. Yeah.
0: Wow. So like they have like basically a waiting list to get in.
2: Yeah, I mean, our homes are very, I mean, they're very high tech and they're very different than all the other homes around us. So once we have an opening, word gets out that we have an opening and we start getting calls pretty quickly. When you say high tech, what does that mean? Oh, man, I, this is really cool. Let me tell you something. We have this uh, exclusive technology that we're the only residential homes in the, in, the, in the nation that can use it. It uses radio wave technology to determine when an adult brief is wet or soiled, and then it alerts the caregiver immediately. So, you know, families may be worried about, you know, mom sitting in a wet brief for hours. Uh, this thing identifies it literally in seconds. Uh, it lets the caregiver know that, you know, there's been an accident so the caregiver can get in there and, uh, you know, change uh, mom or dad really quickly. Uh, gotcha. You know, we have, um, we use scent technology, which is really kind of cool. Um, you know, we worked with some chemists that said, uh, you know, the residents in your home, what do you want them to feel like when, when they're with you? And we said we want them to feel safe and secure. So they, they created a scent which stimulates parts of the brain. And uh, that gets pumped into our air conditioners throughout the homes. And this is just a few of the technologies that, that we're using. And when families come and see that, they're like, wow. And that's why we're getting anywhere between $500 and $1,500 more per month per resident than any of the homes that are around us. Interesting.
1: That's that
0: amazing. is. Do you feel like this space in, in any way is saturated? Like, where do you feel like the market's going in relationship to this? What? Uh, the the where's the demand as compared to the supply
2: sure uh 10 000 seniors per day i mean ten thousand people per day are turning 65 and older wow. uh you know uh basically i can tell you that that no matter what the economy is it can't slow aging you know yeah. baby boomers are getting to that age our average our average resident's about 84 years old Okay. Uh, and as soon as that that wave diminishes for the people in that cohort, so we're looking at the next 20, 25 years of solid growth. Um, you know, I'll put it this way. Um, California has about 8,000 of these homes. Uh, and they're actually thinking about raising the the, level, the number of residents that can be in a home. Right now, California is six. And they're considering raising it to eight because of the demand. Uh um, it- so, wh-
0: where does someone go who's interested in this to find out what is their city or state law guidelines to how many beds can be in a home?
2: Yeah, we'll help them through that whole process. Okay. You know, we walk through it all. And that's um, it's uh, www.discovermacresidences.com. Uh, um, right. Even in the investors, they can go there. Uh, there's a, a, a form called Start the Journey they can tell us that they're interested in being a franchisee or if they want to investigate being a real estate uh, investor, either way, you're going to sign the phone talking with you and, and uh, working with you uh, on, on those goals. Super interesting. Wow. Well,
1: I know that you've got uh, Russ's brain turning, which is not hard to do. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a simple mind, but man, I, I really appreciate you coming, being a part of the show. And Sherry, this is the first time we've had somebody speak on this particular subject, but we know it's a growing industry as you just mentioned here in the last few minutes. Besides DiscoverMajesticResidence.com, is there any other uh, point that we need to make for people to, to connect with you?
2: That's usually the best one because they'll start getting some videos from us, they'll be invited to some webinars. We wanna make sure that our potential franchisees are fully informed uh, before they make a decision and before we make a decision on them. We have a pretty lengthy due diligence process, about six to eight eight weeks uh, of a process of getting to know each other, finding what each other's values are and goals are to make sure we're awarding franchises to franchisees who will be successful. Uh, And also people that we feel comfortable with, uh, connecting them with real estate investors also.
0: Nice, Joey. I think what you meant to say. I didn't have other lots of other things up there boggling, and and standing in the way of those ideas from moving around. So I, yeah, I exactly. I, I got you. Well, man, it was so great to have you on the show today, Chuck. Thank you for coming. Thank you um, for listening to this episode and and walking down this path with us. I know you're interested. Are we going to try to rent our house or? And or are we going to try to become a franchisee? You're going to have to stick around for another day to figure out what the answer to that is. But as always, we thank you for listening. Have an amazing day.
2: This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.